Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome everyone. Happy Sunday. This month, I went out on a bit of a limb, and uh, and I hope you won't help me saw that limb off while I'm still on it. I went with a book that is quite elderly in some ways. You know, we, we choose a book every month, and this is Ernest Holmes' really transcribed lectures when he was such a young man. The actual lectures took place in 1918, 1919, and were transcribed later by students. Uh, and, and the story goes literally on handwritten notes on paper, uh, later transcribed into this book. But you know, the reason that I chose it, and, and the reason why maybe I'm not going out on a limb after all, is that this is when his philosophy was so fresh, so so searingly important to him, that thousands of people, well, at least a thousand people, would come to the, the Beverly Wilshire Hotel to hear him speak. I mean, he was drawing amazing crowds, and it wasn't that the material was necessarily brand new in the world, but the way he delivered it, his passion around it as a young person, simply remarkable. And so I'm hoping, um, of course, you know, it's not 1918 and, and I'm not 22 years old, but I'm hoping to share some of his unique passion around this philosophy this month. For the next two Sundays, I'm going to do something very specific. We're going to cover the two fundamental beliefs around science of mind, and we're going to put it into dramatic use. And I'm not using these words lightly. Some of you are like, oh dear, what did I stumble into? Uh, It's okay, we'll be safe. But I think it's time for us to... I think it's time for us to actually use this philosophy in our lives in a potent way. And, uh, you know, we've been through a lot in the last year and a half. We deserve to have lives that are filled with love and light, full of joy and peace. We're starting to get the hint of that. We're, we're emerging from our cocoon. But I think it's time to really seize the day. I think it's time to really impassion ourselves around what's important to us. And so to start off with, I want to talk a little bit about his devotion to the Bible of all things. As a young man, his speeches and talks were peppered with references from the Bible. And really, it's where he got his main inspiration for the idea of the power of your word. And so for those of you who maybe are not that familiar with the Bible, it's full of references to this sort of mysterious force called the word. In the reading this particular week, he he has several quotes and I just happen to track them back to where they came from and I'll share them with you. One of the first ones was Isaiah, so my word shall go forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper the thing whereto I sent it. My word will go forth and it shall not return to me void. Here's one from Psalms 107 that he quotes. They cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word, and the word healed them, 
and delivered them from their destructions. And then, uh, of course, in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and then later in Matthew, when that story is retold, it focuses on, again, the idea of the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what is this Word thing? What is the idea of the Word? Let me read just a little bit from Love and Law, and you'll begin to see where he's... Uh, where he's going with this. You will find that your word has the amount of power, the amount of intelligence that you put into it, and it has creative power according to the amount of absolute conviction and the impulse into which you put it. So let me read that one more time. You will find that your word has the, and this is, you know, capitalized. He's talking about the word here, but he's personalizing it, saying that you too have perhaps not as dramatic a use as God itself does, but you also have a power through your word. You will find your word has the amount of power, the amount of intelligence that you put into it, and it has the creative power according to the amount of conviction and impulse that you put into it. So let's go back to how the heavens and the earth were created for just a minute. And, and here, let me read a little bit more out of, uh, out of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So God didn't say, gosh, wouldn't it be swell if I could see my way through this darkness? Right? Now, you and I might say something like that, right? We, we, we uh, go into a dark room and we start fumbling for the light switch and in our head, wouldn't it be nice if I could illuminate this? That would be a swell thing to have happen. That's not God's style. God makes pronouncements. Let there be light. And when God makes a pronouncement, there's no uh, wondering if it's going to happen, right? There's no wishing that it's going to happen. It simply happens. And why is that? Because God knows that God has the power and the capability and the resources, and it can simply happen. Let there be light, and there is light. Well, what Ernest Holmes says about this idea of us also having the power of our word is that if our belief is strong, if we are in confidence around what is true for us, if we, we know the essential truths of love and joy, of peace and happiness, if we internalize them and are willing to make a pronouncement that is just as strong, just as confident, just as, uh, as living proof as, uh, as God or as many of the ascended masters have done. You know, he singles out Jesus many times in this, uh, uh, this particular chapter of the book I'm reading, uh, not as some kind of a, a miracle worker beyond what other humans can do, but as an example. He uses Jesus as an example of someone who actually knows how to use the power of their word, right? Who can simply say, you are healed, throw your crutches away. The blind man can now see. 
the level of uh, authority with which Jesus was portrayed in his ability to do healings and other things, it's simply that matter-of-fact way in which, right, matter-of-fact way in which the heavens and the earth were created. Let there be light. So let me back down uh, off of the soapbox just a tiny bit. Because really, if Ernest Holmes were here, he would probably end the talk right about now. He would probably say, and that's it. <laughs> you don't need anything else, right? <laughs> Can you imagine the, a young person's intensity? You have the power of the word now. Just go use it. Quit complaining about your lives. Quit being namby-pamby about what you can have in the world. A healing can be yours. Abundance can be yours. Just go do it. And the lecture would be over. <laughs> okay. Well, of course, I'm me. <laughs> I'm not Ernest Holmes when he was 22. So I'm going to back down a little bit. I will give you some advice on how I use the word. First of all, when I make a pronouncement, when I speak my truth... When I am in prayer, I have to be able to make my claim in good consciousness. And what I mean by that is, if I say something like, I am whole and perfect and enjoy us on this day, it's not going to work if there's a little voice in the back of my head that says, uh, um, well, um, Larry, actually that's, uh, you know, wish that were true. <laughs> That'd be swell. <laughs> right? And so I do need to be able, in the same way that spirit can make in a pronouncement, like, let there be light, I need to be able to say whatever it is I say with that same level of authority and confidence according to my own faith. And I will tell you right now, as a human being, there are some areas in my life where I have a whole bunch of confidence. I have a whole bunch of confidence around love. I know that I draw to me easily and effortlessly people that are loving and lovable. And I know it's true about me as well. I'm love itself. You hardly get to know me. And, and right, isn't the, isn't the impression you get, oh my gosh, he is so lovable. <laughs> no, it's true. And... and, and and do you see how I can say that and it doesn't even particularly sound like I have an inflated impression of myself? It's simply a truth about me. It is simply a truth about me. And I can make my claim about having a life that is filled with love with not even an inkling that it might not be true. And I bet that, that there are areas in your life where you can make those claims also. I bet some of you have complete confidence in your ability at communicating with others. I bet some of you have complete and utter confidence in your ability to always be supported, to always have the abundant life. And what I know is all of this is just a matter of faith and confidence. And in some ways, confidence is spiritual faith knowing that there is this thing called the law of mind, and now, now we're moving from the word into the idea of law, but let me uh, finish up here with confidence around the word. Now, some of you might say to yourself, how can I be confident about something that I don't have quite yet? 
And that's the issue here, I think, for a lot of us as we build our faith. We want more abundance or we want more love. We want more joy. But we don't quite have it yet. We have a little bit of a vision of it. We can kind of feel it. We sort of know what it feels like. But we can't wholeheartedly say, it's mine right now. And so to make that pronouncement, you do get the little voices going off. Well, yeah, you're lovable, but what about that relationship with that coworker? That doesn't seem so lovable. So maybe I'm not really as lovable as I think, or maybe there isn't as much joy in my life. Well, I want to portray the answer to this conundrum. So let's say you're enjoying a good movie in the comfort of your own home, and you're noticing that your stomach could use a little something, a snack. Now, your snack is in the next room. Does that defeat you from the purpose of knowing that you can have that snack? You don't have it. Someone could have taken it, I suppose, especially if you don't live by yourself. (laughs) But even if you do love yourself, I suppose someone could have snuck in and stolen those potato chips. And and yet, oh dear, I'm giving away one of my snack items, oh well. Uh, But honestly, right, don't you sit in that chair and say, I'm going to go have a snack. I can see the potato chips. I can taste the potato chips. They're mine, even though they're in the next room, even though you don't quite have them yet. You don't sit there and say, oh, I wish I had potato chips, and gosh, I wonder if the potato chips are still there, and you know, I put them in the cupboard above the stove, and I wonder if they're still there, and maybe I should worry about uh, whether or not there'll be enough potato You don't do that. You just say, it's time for a snack, and here I go. The rest of the universe works just like that. The thing that you desire is just in another room. And in fact, you know me and my corny jokes. So the pastor stood before the congregation to tell them the bad news. The recent winter storm has caused enough damage that the church roof needs to be completely replaced. How much will it cost, came a quiet voice from the back of the sanctuary. Well, the pastor named a very large sum, but he tried to put the congregation at ease. I know that sounds like a lot, he said, but God always provides. Well, that quiet voice came back again from the back of the sanctuary. But pastor, where is the money going to come from? Well, the pastor looked out at the crowd and smiled from wherever it is right now. (laughs) And it's simply the truth. You have access. You have the right. You have the access. You have the capability of your heart's desire. It is simply in the next room right now. But in the same way, you have complete confidence that you could get up and get a bowl of potato chips. And if the cupboard were bare, you could go to the store and get the bag of potato chips. I am here to assure you that God will provide with your level of confidence in knowing that what you desire is yours. 
If uh, you desire a healing, it can be yours. If you desire abundance, it can be yours. If you desire greater love and intimacy, it can be yours. If you can accept it truly into your hearts. It is simply a matter of your own inner acceptance of your good. So I want to share something with you. We're going to be using it over the next couple of weeks. I, I stuck it in your program because I, I know taking notes on something like this is way too crazy. But it's a little handout called 13 Words of God and Their Human Expression. And for those of you online, no worries. Uh, if you go to our website, cslportland.org, and just look up this week's sermon, it's on, right on the front page, you'll see a link to it and you can download it yourself. What I have done here is describe some of what I think of as God's power words. And then on the right-hand side, some of the human ways that we get to experience those power words. So let's look down, for instance, at joy right now. So, so the universe, God, God, believe it or not, enjoys all this. God, God created the heavens and the earth for a purpose, and largely that purpose was love and joy. God takes great delight through us in having us experience a good time. And so the good time, if you look over on the right-hand side under the human expression, sometimes it looks like amusement, bliss, comfort, delight, elation, glee, humor, wonder. In fact, if I asked you to close your eyes right now and pictured your life when you're enjoying it the most, I bet you wouldn't have too much trouble. It might be a little different for each one of us, but humor me for just a second. Close your eyes and picture yourself really enjoying yourself. Why, some of you might just be picturing yourself right now in this room. <laughs> but some of you might be picturing yourself skiing on a, on a beautiful winter day. Some of you might be picturing yourself at a picnic with loved ones. Just spend a moment really envisioning in your own mind complete enjoyment. What does joy feel like and look like to you? Now, because this is on the human side of things, right, it will be different for each of us. And yet, and yet the absoluteness of that is joy itself. In God's realm, it is simply one of the facets, one of the ways of looking at this bigger container called joy. So humor me for one more minute. Ha have that idea, that picture in your head one more time. And then let's all say, let there be joy. Okay, now that didn't sound like God saying, let there be light. It was close. It was close. Get that picture in your mind one more time of what true enjoyment is to you. And then let us say it together. Let there be joy. Now that is a pronouncement. That is us using the power of our word to set something into motion by which the law of God will make it so. So now I want to talk a little bit about the law of God. There's a part of spirit that almost acts like an invisible servant. And I know we're not used to thinking of God as a servant, but a part of God, it's simply God's good pleasure to act upon that word. 
So there's the pronouncement, there's the word, and then there is this mysterious thing called the law that makes it so, that takes that word and makes it flesh. In the Bible, there's the, and then there was light, and then something, some other part of God, made it be light. And in fact, in the Bible, it says not only did it make it be light, but then it saw that it was good, meaning the law sort of blessed it. It's a lovely thing. It's a, it's a blessing type of thing. So in the same way that spirit can make it so, you too, through the power of your word, that word will enter into some mysterious part of God that will make it so. Now, sometimes we worry a little bit about, well, how is that going to happen? And I will tell you from my own experience, you can stay up a lot of nights trying to figure out how God works. And I don't think it's very profitable. It's one of those things that is a faith-building exercise. Try your word out and see if it is not creative. And then little by little, as your pronouncements, as your word, as you see the power of them, as your ability to to have what you desire and, and to see it manifesting out in the world, little by little your strength grows, your pronouncements have more uh, more power to them, more confidence in them, and you truly can move mountains. You truly can see the difference in your own life that can be attributed to nothing else than the power of your word. So today we talked about these two fundamental elements. The word, it represents our claim on the universe. It represents our intentions. It represents what we want to see more of. But I would also say, because the word is always active, it also can get us into trouble now and then. What if our pronouncement is a negative pronouncement? What if our pronouncement, what if our word is something uh, that we really don't want to see more of in the world? What if we make it a pronouncement like, I'm the unluckiest guy on the planet. Nothing ever goes right for me. Right? It's almost we, like we said, let there be darkness and doom. <laughs> so we do need to be careful about this. That law that I talked about that is only so happy to act upon the word will act upon the word even when it may not be in your own best interest. It's one of the things that we'll be learning about next week, how to go from perhaps self-sabotage of the word into a clarity of your thinking that will produce results that are more uniformly good and predictable. We also talked about law as the creative power of God to act upon that word. And that is somewhat mysterious. We're probably never going to know exactly how it happens. But we can still, nonetheless, in the same way that when, when you're sitting in your chair and you know that those potato chips are in the next room, you can count on God to provide, to act upon that word. So what do we need to experience the good life? We don't need to coerce the law. The law is always working. All we have to do is provide the template of what a good life is and know with some confidence that we can live it.
Well, I'm going to close today with a little bit of homework um, so that, Sheet, I invite you to take it home with you, the 13 words of God and their human expression. And your homework is very simple this week. I would like you to look down uh, this uh, right-hand column on these different human expressions and find something that you would like to see an area of improvement in. I want you just to identify an area in your life where you would like to see some improvement. It could be greater intimacy in a relationship. It could be uh, greater joy. Uh, uh, Just look down that right-hand column of all those various human expressions of God qualities, and I ask you to bring that with you next time, because we're going to do some work around that. We're going to uh, pull out all the stops next week. And see if we can't make some dramatic progress in our own lives in these particular areas. But but you need to come with something. Because what we will learn next week is a whole lot of using the law is your clarity around what you want. And so if you come next week thinking, oh, I don't know, it'd be, it'd be kind of fun, you know, to have more love in my life, but really it's abundance that I worry about. And, oh, and, you know, there is that coworker that I have such trouble with, you know, having, having some harmony with, I mean, if you come like that, we're not going to make a lot of progress. I would like you to settle into one area of your life next week where you really want to make a difference. And next week we're going to make that difference. Let me close with a quote from Ernest Holmes in a prayer. He says, I know tonight that I have something with me which I cannot understand very much of, although perhaps more than some people and perhaps less than others. But I do know this. I govern my life as I choose. I do this absolutely And I do it through a law that I have never seen. Yet, I know how it works, for it never fails me. I know that I have so much of this ability as I believe in, and I can see that Jesus, with his infinite understanding, would say, Whatsoever ye believe, it will be done unto you. Let us pray. There is one power one presence. There is this one thing that I choose to call life. And what I know about life is that it's good. It's for me. It's as me. It's moving through me. I know that life, this good life is mine to have and to experience always. And as it is true for me, I know without question that it is true for everyone within the hearing of my voice. There is a power in this universe and we have the ability to use it. That word which we claim, that intention which we claim, as we do so with conviction and confidence, it enters into the law of God and is made real. It's simply the way it works. And for this, I give great thanks. For this, I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here to join us. Now is our time of conscious contribution. I invite you to take your gifts or your ties perhaps into your hand. I know those of you online who are wishing to make a donation, go to cslportland.org slash donation, and you'll see a, a variety of ways that you can send in checks or donate online. 
We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.